Good morning. Boy, am I glad to see you. And for those that I can't see, I'm glad that you're joining us online. Uh, we pray diligently for technology to work, um, and we're grateful for that. Uh, call your attention to a couple of things as we begin. In the bulletin on the front page, again, is an announcement about uh, this really big event, the Back to School Supply Giveaway. And you can be a part of that. So look in the details there. We as a church have given $2,500 to help um, purchase some of those supplies. Um, but about 125 people are needed for that day. So think about that. And if you're available next Saturday, jump in and help. And you can register online. I, I did that earlier this week. And uh, easy, easy, easily done. Also, there's an insert um, about the uh, Christmas boxes for the children in Nicaragua. We'll share more about that, but it's a wonderful opportunity as well. And then we've been doing this uh, monthly uh, for years, and now with uh, the pandemic weekly, our home devotionals. If you've not done those in a while, I encourage you to tune back in today. Um, the, the message, the text is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount about do not worry. And that may be exactly what some of us need to be reminded of. Do not worry. And he shares some great admonitions there. So I encourage you to, to do that. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 1 today. Do you ever think about the legacy that you will leave? Do you ever think about the legacy that you will leave? I don't mean kind words that are said at your funeral. I mean more than that. We've all seen the tenor, the the television interviews when someone dies and they'll put the microphone in front of them and, and they'll say a few nice words uh, or maybe the investigative TV shows where there's a murder or a kidnap or somebody living a double life and they'll talk about the person. Uh, I was reminded of that this week a friend from high school posted a meme on Facebook that said this, if I'm ever murdered or kidnapped please don't make up lies about me. I do not light up a room. I do not always have a smile on my face. Everyone does not want to be my friend. People don't automatically take notice of me. I have a smart mouth and two friends. Tell 2020 that. <laughs> I thought, it's pretty real, isn't it? A legacy is more than just kind platitudes said at our funeral. And the truth is, you will leave a legacy. You will. Every life leaves a legacy, whether you plan to or not, whether you're intentional or not. The question is, what kind of legacy will I leave? And if you want to know, if you want to answer that, I would suggest it is whatever you lean into. If you want to know what your legacy will be, it's where or what or who you're leaning into. That's going to answer the question. If you want to leave a legacy of faith, especially to your children, but they never see you living it, they never hear you talking about your relationship with God, it's likely not going to happen. If you want to leave a legacy of joy and gratitude, but you're constantly griping and complaining about everything that's not right, it's probably not going to happen. If you want to leave a legacy of love, but your life is more about collecting possessions than connecting with people, that's not going to happen. 
If you want to know what your legacy will be, look at what you lean into. We're calling this series Lean. It's about your intention, your direction, your trust, your emphasis. What are you leaning into? And Paul wrote the letters, First and Second Timothy, to this young man who was at a very key point in his life. Paul had established a church in Ephesus. Now it was Timothy's time to step up, to become the minister there. And this was big shoes to fill. And he needed some encouragement. And as you read through these letters, First and Second Timothy, you get the sense that, that Paul had been leaning into Timothy and continues to do so. And he's reminding him in these letters of some things he needs to know, some challenges to face. Like, Timothy, you're going to have to have some hard conversations with people. Things that people may not really want to talk about, but you're going to need to address them. But leaning in means you're going to have to pay attention, not pay attention to the distractions, but really focus on what really matters. Pay closer attention to what God thinks and what other people think. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul reminds Timothy of his legacy, of how it all started. If you've got an outline, you can fill in the blanks. The first blank is this. Timothy's mother and grandmother gave him a legacy of faith. And Paul reminds him of that. Now, this is not just good for Paul to remind Timothy of. Timothy needed to know this, to remember this. We need to know this. We need to learn from this. How these two women, his mother and grandmother, left him this legacy of faith. And he became one of the most influential leaders in the first century church. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he speaks of his mother and grandmother. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. Paul knew his family. He knew the background. And so as he writes this letter to someone he loves dearly, he says, look, I remember, I saw it in them. I saw it in your mom. I saw it in your grandma. And now, Timothy, I see it in you. It goes on in verse 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. What a legacy that, that this mother and grandmother left him. And he's reminding them, he's reminding Timothy, you need to remember that. You need to lean into that. Now, for some of you, as you read these words and you're reminded of this, you may be thinking of your own mother or maybe your grandmother, or maybe uh, your father or, or, or someone else whose legacy they poured into you, they left for you. You, you believe now because they believed and they poured that into you. Some in this room had a legacy of faith handed down to you. But what about those who didn't? Maybe you didn't grow up going to church. I've always been intrigued by those who maybe didn't have the spiritual mother or father or grandparents, and yet they come to an amazing faith without that legacy of faith. You've noticed that? How does that happen? You know, because they had everything going against them. Some people come to great faith in spite of a spiritual legacy. And it's amazing to see that they can in turn leave a legacy of faith for others. Now, some of you may really need to hear this because 
You may be thinking that the legacy you received is the legacy that you give or that you leave. But here's the good news of the gospel. The legacy that you receive is not necessarily the legacy that you leave. You can be changed. It can be redeemed. God can redeem that for sure. And the opposite is also true. Even if you're left a legacy of faith, that doesn't guarantee that you will in turn leave that same legacy of faith. It goes both ways. So your legacy will be determined not by what you receive, but really more so what you lean into, what you appreciate, what you trust, what you believe. Now, notice the legacy that you received is determined by others. You have nothing to do with that. That's not determined by you. Somebody else left you that legacy of faith. Now, with that, frankly, you might look back on what you received and point a finger of blame. You see their faults. You see their shortcomings. You see their struggles and, and failures. Maybe their, their lack of, of follow-through. But the legacy you leave doesn't have to be the legacy that you received. And for most of us, as I was thinking through this, it may be that our legacy of faith is both a blessing and a little bit of a burden because it wasn't perfect. We see some good, yes, but we also see some not so good, some inconsistency. So even with that, the question becomes... As we think about what we receive, which part of that are you going to lean into? Are you going to remember the good, the moments of faith, what they did well? Or are you going to focus on the negative, the times where maybe they were inconsistent or maybe they weren't strong and you were up close and you saw that as well? Well, Paul challenged Timothy to lean into the legacy of his mother and grandmother and he spoke about it in such good terms but let's talk about what's not addressed here who is not mentioned his dad what about Timothy's dad well if you research the backstory in Acts chapter 16 there was a dad we don't know his name it just says there in Acts 16 his mother was a Jewish she was a believer but his dad was a Greek Inferring he was not a follower of the true God. He was not a disciple of Jesus. So notice, here's one of the most significant leaders in the early church in this position with a father who is spiritually AWOL. So where is his dad? What happened? We don't know his name. Some commentaries conjecture that he died. And that may be true. The Bible doesn't say that. But the way Acts 16 reads, and you may have studied this before, it really infers more so by the context that he just spiritually didn't believe in Jesus. He was not a follower of Jesus. So more than likely, Timothy grew up in a home where there were, you might even say, competing legacies. He had a mother who believed, a grandmother who believed, and a father who did not. So who does he listen to? His father was indifferent at best, more likely antagonistic. And I thought about that might be your story. You may have one parent who believed 
and one maybe not so much. Maybe they went to church even, but never really believed, or it was very much a priority to them. If I could just stop and just say a word to the single parents who are listening, and maybe you're not unmarried as much as maybe you are spiritually single, that you are carrying the spiritual weight of your family. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. You keep pouring in to your children. You point them to the Lord. The Bible says that God is the father of the fatherless. And he can use whomever he wants, however he wants, to help them to grow, to follow him. So here's Timothy, who grew up without a father's spiritual influence, and now is in a position to do amazing things for the Lord and his kingdom. It would be so easy for Timothy to feel unqualified or in some way in a mixed situation because of these competing legacies. And, and so Paul reminds him, you lean into the spiritual legacy of your mother and your grandfather because he can use you. So I was thinking about this and I was studying it. I came across this question. Can you think of an example of a family in the Bible where the parents and all the kids, it, they, they, they all did well? spiritually. I thought, well, yeah, I can think of that. And then I started thinking of that. And then I had to agree with the author that, no, I can't think of one where the mom and the dad and all the children. Eugene Peterson explained it like this. A search of scripture turns up one rather surprising truth there are no exemplary families. Not a single family is portrayed as the model family for all of us to look up to. The biblical material consistently portrays the family, not as a Norman Rockwell group beaming in gratitude around a Thanksgiving turkey, but as a series of broken relationships in need of redemption. That's what you find in Scripture. I would even say that's what you find in this church, in every home. There are no perfect families. That's a reality. Now, we might see a couple, and they seem to have the perfect marriage. You know what I'm talking about? You think, man, look at that marriage. It's, it's so good. But is it really that good? Maybe it is good, or maybe they just know how to make you think it's that good. You know what I mean. There are no exemplary families. Or maybe you see somebody's kids and you think, why can't my kids be more like their kids? You ever thought that? Three words. Give it time. Right? Give it time. There are no perfect families. We all understand that. Here's the challenge with all this. Some of you can hear this and, and think, you don't understand. You know, I can't leave this legacy of faith because I came from a broken family. And I would say... Really? Because in reality, all of us come from broken families. And that we're all broken people in need of redemption. Now, maybe the marriage was intact and maybe we weren't abandoned. I'm not talking about that. But just the reality, there are no perfect families. And we need to realize that. So Paul reminds Timothy of his legacy that came from his mother and grandmother. But also catch this. Timothy had Paul as a spiritual father. Paul leaned into Timothy. Early in his life, we read about that in Acts 16, 
And then now here, as he's passing the baton to him at the church at Ephesus, and became like a spiritual father. I put some verses on the screen, several here, where he calls Timothy, my true child in the faith, my child, you then, my child. He had a special relationship with this young man. Paul noticed him. He noticed that he had been taught the scriptures since an early age. And somehow that stood out. Paul was able to notice that in him. There's not a man in his life, though. There's no spiritual leadership from a male perspective. And you get a sense as you read through these letters, Paul interjected himself. He leaned into Timothy. He spiritually adopts him. What would it look like if you and I did the same thing? We just open our eyes and we see those who were younger amongst us who may have a parent who is spiritually AWOL, not in the picture. And then you and I do the best we can to lean into them and encourage them and be there for them. For one parent is spiritually present, but the other is absent. What would happen if you and, all, you and I did what Paul did? I read this week about a lady. She was reared by a single mom. And she remembered well, recounting the time where the youth minister came to their house and taught her brother how to shave. She said, I don't so much remember that moment as being so special. I remember how much my mother appreciated that moment. It made a difference. Timothy's mother and grandmother laid the foundation, and then Paul leaned in to help. But then number three, notice this. Timothy's legacy of faith was marked by love for God's word. Understand that leave this kind of faith means you have to be committed to God's word. It's got to be the foundation, even when it's not popular. And Paul writes about this in these letters. Even when it's not received well by your own children at certain times. This is the foundation. Look how Paul addresses this. Go to chapter 3, verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Timothy, you can trust your mom. You can trust your grandmother. You can trust me. That's what Paul is saying here. We taught you the word of God. Verse 15, and how from childhood you've known the sacred writings. Some translations say holy scriptures that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So from an early age, these two godly women were pouring the word of God into young Timothy. Now, I thought it was quite interesting as I was reading through this. And I want you to take note what follows. A verse that we often know about and we quote from time to time. I'll put it on the screen, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Don't let the context pass you by. Paul wrote that in the context of talking about this mother and grandmother who from a very early age for Timothy were pouring the word of God into him. And what does that mean? What does it matter? This is why it matters. Verse 16 and 17. I know there are many moms and dads, 
grandmothers and grandparents who know this. You have made it your mission to plant seeds and to water and to nurture that. And you're waiting for it to grow. And sometimes it seems perhaps like nothing is happening. But you know, you understand that this leaving a legacy does not happen overnight. So you keep being faithful. You don't give up. You never know. Fred Craddock tells about a woman. She was telling him his story. And she had a moment in her life spiritually, just mentally, where it was not going well. She was a freshman in college. She became depressed and despondent. She was so lonely. She wanted to take her own life. She went to the bridge. She was about to jump. And about that time, in her head, she heard the words, cast your cares on God because he cares for you. No one there. She just heard it in her head. It just came to mind. Cast your cares on God because he cares for you. It was enough to turn her away. It was enough that put her on a path where she surrendered her life to God. So as she's telling her story, Fred asked her, well, where did you learn this Bible verse? Did you go to church? She said, I didn't know at the time it was a Bible verse. And I didn't go to church. She goes, but in the summers, when I went to see my grandmother, she always made sure we went to church and we were there for vacation Bible school. And Fred said, that's it. That's it. The word was planted way back when, and at just the right moment, it became that foundation for her. So moms, dads, grandmothers, grandparents, don't give up. Don't, don't stop. You keep planning. You make God's word the foundation but then notice this, Timothy's legacy of faith was marked by love for God, and they lived it. Just going to add that in to your third blank there. They lived it. It wasn't just teaching. It wasn't just Bible memorization. It wasn't just taking them to worship and Bible classes. They lived it. They lived it. Paul specifically mentions this back in verse 5. The sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. That word sincere here just means not pretending, unhypocritical. Sincere doesn't mean perfect. And we need to realize that. Sincere doesn't mean you won't sometimes lose your temper. Sincere doesn't mean that sometimes you, you won't have difficult days, days where you feel like a failure as a parent, days where you may fail as a parent. Sincere doesn't mean perfect. It means not pretending like you're perfect. That's what it means. You want to harden your kid's heart spiritually? Make it your goal to impress everybody else that you are the it father and mother and ignore what your children see in you. They will notice that and they will see that and that will close their heart as fast as anything. Sincere means not pretending. It doesn't mean perfect. Have you seen the commercials? Uh, they're on television and they're on the radio about adopting foster children. Have you seen those? You don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. Have you seen any of those? I found just a couple. I want you to see these. Mom. Mom. What? You can't find Ichabod. What? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to put up with you. What to expect when you're expecting a teenager. Hey guys, today we're talking about how to wake up your teen, and this works literally every time. Loud that was. I know. I heard, that. I heard. It, it, it wasn't you. Yeah. It was the. Is that bacon? You don't have to know it all to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. I was. I know. I heard. It wasn't you. It was the. Is that bacon? <laughs> you don't have to know it all to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Bacon. Bacon. That's your takeaway. Sincere doesn't mean perfect. That's, it means not pretending. Sometimes, even for your children, parents, that means humbling yourself and saying, I'm sorry, I blew it. I'm praying to God to help me, to be more patient, to be more loving, to be able to turn the other cheek, to go the second mile, whatever it is. Do you want to be seen as a person of sincere faith? That's what we're talking about here. Paul says it lived in them. It wasn't just something they talked about. It was something they modeled. It was in them. And ultimately it became this faith legacy that now Timothy had. Lois had it, Eunice had it, and now Timothy's got it. But it's not just what you believe, it's how you live. So maybe you received that kind of legacy, or maybe you didn't. Someone posted this sentence on Facebook, My mother always said, thinking that, you know, you'll get some of the classic things like your face will freeze like that or we're not going to tell your dad or chew with your mouth closed or all those things that our mom said to us. There are a lot of comments that really were an amazing uh, testament of women who, as mothers, did the right thing, said the right thing. My mom always said, there's nothing you can do to change how I feel about you. My mom always said, you can do anything you set your mind to. My mom always said, you're as beautiful on the inside as you are on the outside. You get prettier every day. God's going to do something big in your life. My mom always said, I'm always here for you. He admitted he was not prepared for some very disturbing statements. My mom always said, you're not as pretty as the other girls, so you need to work harder in school. My mom always said, your best isn't good enough. My mom always said, I wish you had never been born. My mom always said, why can't you be more like your sister? <laughs> he said he just deleted the whole post. It became so discouraging. One woman wrote, unfortunately, I can't think of anything good or nice. I can only remember the horrible, insulting things that she said to me and my sisters. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's your legacy. The one you received was bad. Maybe just constant negative criticism. 
It wasn't positive encouragement. It was tearing down, not building up. It was harsh words, not life-giving words. So I want to close with this. The legacy you receive does not have to be the legacy you leave. The legacy you receive does not have to be the legacy you leave. This is the difference the gospel makes. Look in verse 6 where Timothy said, For this reason I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. Your responsibility is to fan it into flame. You've been given this gift. What are you going to do with it? See, I don't know if it's always been the case. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Or maybe we just see it more often now, the tendency to blame our parents for the ways they got it wrong. If we have a shortcoming or a fault, we look back to our upbringing to justify our own shortcomings. I've got an anger problem, yeah. But if you understood the home I grew up in, you'd have an anger problem too. So we blame our parents. So let me ask... You don't think your parents could blame their parents? You don't think your kids might blame you? Yeah, it happens. There are some people, and I don't want to make a lot of this, who were abused or neglected. I'm not so much talking about that. That can can bring a, a life filled with, with struggles. What I am talking about is the rest of us whose parents loved us imperfectly. That's what I'm talking about. They did their best to point you to Jesus, and they, in their own way, gave you that ember. And it may be that you keep fixating on their faults, and you notice where they fell short. And they did fall short because they are imperfect people. Could they have done better? Absolutely. Your parents could have done a better job of giving you the kind of home that would brought you to a better place spiritually. I'd say as a father of three, I think about that often. I could have done a better job with my own children. But for most of us, I believe we have a lot to be thankful for. And I would even say this. When some people hear you talk negatively, maybe about your upbringing or your faith heritage or your spiritual legacy, there are some people who would trade places with you in a heartbeat just to have at best maybe a mixed legacy or a conflicting legacy than what they dealt with. You were given an ember. You were given a spark. There was somebody somewhere alone. You would not be listening to this message today unless somebody was pointing you to the Lord. Hear Paul's words to Timothy. You fan the flame. You take the good that was intended, and you allow God to, to grow that within you. You lean into that. You be thankful and never give up. A verse I've shared several times, Isaiah 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord? Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Let him lean on his God. I was thinking about this, and I mentioned, I think, last week in the lesson, lean is not a word. It's in our Bibles, but not very often. It's rendered several different ways, depending on the translation. So I did a quick Google search for turn to God. That's really what we're talking about. When you turn to God, your, your focus is on Him. 
So I did a quick Google search for Bible verses on turn to God, and I clicked on one of them. You know what the very first one was listed? Cast your cares on God, for he cares for you. Well, there it is. That's what God wants of us, to lean into him, to turn to him. Isaiah 45, 22 says, turn to me and be saved. That's our invitation for you. That's why Jesus came, so that you could have salvation in him. Realizing that there may be people who are pointing you to him all of your life, or maybe not. But that matters not compared to what Jesus came to do, and that's to give you hope and salvation. If you're ready to confess Jesus as the Son of God, have your sins washed away in baptism, we want to help you. Or if we can pray for you in any way, would you come as we stand and sing to encourage you?